BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends of the Bill Press Pod. We're back today with a very special podcast about a very special project launched by one of our major labor unions to deal with the coronavirus. As we know, thanks to Donald Trump, the United States still lags behind the rest of the developed world in making COVID-19 testing and contact tracing available to anybody who needs it. That's a big problem, especially for essential workers who are on the front lines in their jobs every day dealing with the public. Among them are healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, teachers, police, and firefighters, and also the 1.3 million members of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, those people who work in our major retail grocery stores, meat packing plants, and meat and poultry processing plants. When the federal government could not deliver enough tests and contact tracing to protect its members, the leadership of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone decided to set up its own program, the first union in the country to do so. It's a great example of a labor union stepping in to deliver where the federal government failed. We caught up with President Mark Perrone to see how it's going. President Perrone, good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Bill Press Pod. Bill, thanks for having me. So, first of all, Mark, from the very beginning, your 1.3 million members of the UFCW, especially those uh, working uh, on, in our grocery stores and the meatpacking plants and the meat and poultry processing plants have been on the front lines with the coronavirus epidemic. Their jobs require them to be there. They're exposed every day. What's the toll been so far, as you know, among your members? Well, so far, uh, as of my reports yesterday, uh, we've had over 35,000 that have been uh, impacted uh, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, uh, and uh, 325 uh, members uh, have succumbed to the virus. Wow. Wow. That, is there any particular part of the country, uh, any particular hotspots uh, uh, among your members that, that, that have shown up? Well, initially, of course, it was New York. Um, oh, yeah. And then uh, it transmitted to California. We had quite a few cases in California. And then we ended up with a lot of cases in the Midwest uh, in, in a lot of the packing facilities that I'm sure that uh, you and your listeners have heard about. Um, and so now uh, we're starting to see it where we have spikes. Uh, it pops up. Uh, much like what's going on in the rest of the country. So if you have a hot spot in a particular state, uh, which we have had some in Texas, um, you know, we have spikes. And part of the uh, keeping on top of this, of course, where uh, the federal government has not really delivered 
is in making testing available to everybody who wants to test or needs to get a test, despite what the president has said. But it's not just the testing, it's a contact tracing to make sure that people who might have been exposed know about that and then perhaps should get tested themselves. Uh, that's an area where the federal government has not come through, employers have not come through. So what did you and your your members do about it? Well, you know, in a lot of locations in some of the uh, hinterland, there's they don't have the resources to do the testing. And there's been this challenge that uh, states and counties uh, don't have the resources to do the, the contact tracing uh, that's necessary to keep a handle on this, uh, this virus. So what we did internally is we set up a, a web page uh, that members can go through through our home site and through our Facebook pages where they can report if they've come in contact with somebody with COVID-19, what store they're in, uh, what department they work in, so that we can then notify other members of potential, you know, any potential dangers in that particular store or that department. In addition to that, we've got the business agents um, or the representatives that visit the stores uh, that are also talking to members when they go in because our our agents uh, have been working you know through this pandemic as well. In fact, uh, we had one of our representatives in the state of Texas that uh, has contracted the disease. We've we've had a couple of our uh, uh, our staff members that have contracted the disease. Uh, because they've been out there on the ground, uh, you know, talking to, to members and, and workers and trying to discuss the challenges that they've had uh, trying to deal with the disease. Now, we we believe, right, that part of the reason that there's been a lack of transparency on some of the employer's part is that in the case of retail, uh, the operators are concerned that, that the customers would think they have people that are inside the facility that are sick and then it's not safe. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I totally understand that. Uh, however, it makes it challenging for the workers not necessarily to know, uh, if somebody next to them may have in fact, uh, been tested positive for COVID or came in contact with. Now the challenge of course is, is that under our contracts, members who are, who are sent home for self-quarantine are paid uh, for the self-quarantine period. And uh, I, I do think there is some concerns over a period of time what those numbers might look like uh, as far as the employers paying them. Right. And I, and I also think it's a challenge uh, for them um, because they're afraid, like I said, that people are going to assume uh, that there's an outbreak in a particular store. Look, I don't necessarily think that uh, what we're trying to do at this point in time is so scientific, but I will, uh, I would like to announce the following. Uh, I have been in contact with the University of Nebraska Medical Center, uh, the public uh, health uh, section of the Nebraska Health Center, and I have been working with the Dean of Public uh, Health. Uh, to try to have conversations on how we set up a more 
uh, specific uh, track and trace system. And he had indicated to me that he believes that we can put together a very robust uh, contact tracing system that members can do it either from uh, just their old style cell phones or even the new smartphones. But if you look at the numbers right now, um, in retail food, we've had 103 people that have died. We've got 184 that are hospitalized, 5,950 people that have had positive diagnosis. Uh, we've got 613 that are awaiting results. We have 300, uh, excuse me, 1,340 that are symptomatic. Uh, and of late, we have 62, 16 that have been exposed. Um, and that's just... That's just retail uh, food. Is there still such a thing as hazard pay for essential workers? Well, uh, we are presently in a position. Uh, most of the retail food employers have pulled hazard pay back. Uh, I believe they did it because the unemployment levels were so high that they felt like the supply and demand of labor wasn't necessary for them to continue it even though their profits are up uh, and even though their sales are up uh, by about 20 to 25%. So productivity is through the roof uh, and they're not paying uh, the workers the hazard pay that they were paying before. You know, one thing I've noticed again through my own shopping experience is that uh, grocery stores, the retail stores do require masks uh, on the part of every, every everywhere I've been. But it's it's your members, right? It's your uh, in the in those stores who have the duty and responsibility to enforce the mask rule. Is that, yeah, does that prove to be it, a problem? Yeah, it is a problem. In fact, we had one member that had their arm broken in uh, Southern California. Um, you know, look, we've said all along that there needed to be a mask mandate and there needed to be enforcement and. We have continued to push those issues uh, and our employers uh, have continued to say to us that um, they don't want to try to enforce the mask because they're afraid that it's going to uh, alienate a customer base that they don't want to lose. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is this, uh, our members uh, are not equipped, right? Um, and shouldn't have to be the ones uh, that are the mass police. We believe that it should be taken care of by management for the following reason. Management has control of, of the property. Management uh, can deny service to people if they want to call the police and have them removed. Um, or management could provide security guards uh, to make sure that there was enforcement inside units our members quite honestly even when it in the initial stages of this pandemic when there were limitations on things like toilet paper and hand sanitizer and they were trying to to limit the number that people would buy yeah because the company had taken that position they needed the limit to provide it for all their customers uh, our members took an inordinate amount of abuse from customers, not and, and certainly not everyone, right. but 
they took a lot of abuse just because they were trying to tell them, I'm sorry, sir, or I'm sorry, madam, you could only buy one package of toilet paper. Um, and, and it's been bad, really bad, as it relates to the mask. Now, you know, unfortunately, Bill, this whole mask is, issue was politicized beyond belief. And, and it has created, in my opinion, a wider spread of the disease. There, yep. is, there is no other way to explain it. No, absolutely. It became a political statement, right? You were, if you wore a mask, uh, you were anti-Trump. And if you didn't wear a mask, you were a Trumper. I mean, it's ridiculous. But that's... You know, and I, look, and, and, and let me say the following. I, I got members that are Republicans, and I got members that are Democrats, and I got members that are independents, right? Uh, and the only thing they want to do is they want to go to work, and they want to try to be safe. And it's hard, right? If, if we know the science says that you can reduce the amount of the spread of the virus if people will wear a mask and you reduce it for me and I reduce it for you, it is unconscionable to believe that somebody would walk inside a closed facility, right? Like a grocery store, uh, which is in fact a transmission point uh, where you have large gatherings of people. And the fact of the matter is that they won't mandate it and enforce it is just beyond my belief. Uh, Mark Perone is our guest. He's the president of the United Food and Commercial Workers, the UFCW. I want to ask you a couple of just related questions to wrap up here, Mark, if I may. Uh, first of all, one of the big issues in Congress in terms of whether or not to uh, continue or renew any stimulus funding on the part of the federal government for businesses, particularly small businesses, is the question of liability. Um, and, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell and others say that uh, there should be no liability for stores in terms of spread of the coronavirus. What's your take on that issue? Well, actually, I, um, I testified at a Senate hearing about that specific issue. And, Bill, what I said was, was this, is that you can't uh, do away with uh, an employer's liability and then also not have any OSHA standards for an employer to live by. So you can't have an elimination of any possible regulation that would regulate how the employer had to act and then also do away with the employee's ability uh, to grieve that uh, in our court system. And so, uh, in other words, what you're basically doing is taking the rights away from the workers because you have no standards. There are nothing other than guidelines. Um, and then to say, oh, we're going to get blanket immunity for everybody. Uh, I think it's just patently unfair. Now, let me say this: There are a lot of there are a lot of uh, companies that are out there that are trying to do right by their uh, workers, and I applaud them. So, finally, what does, as you mentioned, you're filling the void, right? So, this is a case where, uh, with the county government, the state government, the federal government, has not be able, been able to do everything that um, should be done in terms of testing, and certainly in terms of contact tracing. So your union particularly has stepped up. 
I, I just want to say, what does this say to the American people, uh, in your view, about the importance of unions? Well, my personal opinion is I think that it is said um, that we really do care about the workers that we represent, but we also care about those workers that we don't represent because uh, the pushing that we've done, we've done it broadly. We haven't limited it to our to our uh, members only. Uh, we've called out companies like Walmart and Whole Foods and and Sprouts and other companies around the country uh, that have workers have contacted us and we brought their message forward. Uh, and we did feel as though that what's happened is that there has been a, a lot more activity on our part uh, where workers are contacting us about unions and, and what, what do they do and and so it's it's been an interesting process for us, but I do think it says that unions do care about workers and the health and safety that they have when they're on the job, uh, as well as uh, the fact that they're, uh, you know, trying to make a living in, in the middle of a pandemic. You know, here's the thing that really gets me, and I'm going to raise this hazard pay issue again. That hazard pay was useful to my members and to workers for the following reason. Many of their children are not in school. Many of them don't have uh, mm. locations or places that they can take their kids to make sure that they're taken care of. So that extra pay helped those mothers and fathers uh, try to take care of their kids during this pandemic. And I, I just, I, I think it ought to be reinstated. I, I just have to say that. Yeah, what I just want to say as a uh, proud union member myself, I think uh, this uh, experiment of yours uh, and this latest project of yours just helps underscore the importance of unions who are there uh, in season and out of season to protect the workers. And um, you can count on the union when you can't count on uh, the government to come through, which you have proven once again. Mark Perrone, thanks so much, my friend, for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. And... Uh, Thanks for your leadership and your good support and friendship over the years. Thank you, Bill. You take care and stay safe. <laughs> you too, Mark. Okay, thank you. And that's it for our special podcast with President Mark Perrone of the UFCW about their efforts to help their members in this coronavirus pandemic. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back a couple more times this week with the Bill Press Pod on Thursday, looking at day three of the Democratic National Convention. And of course, on Friday, we'll be back with our reporters' roundtable wrapping up the week. Again, thanks so much for being there. Stay safe, stay strong. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.